0: You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. Good morning, guys. Good to see everyone today. Um, My name is Tommy. If we hadn't met, I'm the pastor. Oh, hey, Kevin. How's it going? Thanks, brother. Uh, Okay, a note? All right. I'll just put that right there. All right, everybody good? That's good. I like the energy. Um, I'm really feeling it. I can feed off your energy, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Hey, by the way, let's just talk about this real quick. Uh, Yesterday at Christmas Mall, uh, I think it was, let me get my stats, make sure my stats are right, 25 families, 90 kids, 650 gifts. Great job, guys. I love that. I love that we're doing what we're supposed to do. I mean, that's, uh, we have core values in this place. We've talked about them a lot. And, oh, I'm so nervous. I'm going to ask if you all know them and someone's not, and then my heart's going to be broken. But let us can anyone in this, can you tell me the five core values? Knowing, growing, giving, praise, serving. Knowing, growing, giving serving, and praising. <laughs> Give it up right there. That's why you're in the front row. That's what I'm talking about. Maybe one of you back there one day can come sit in the front row and answer a question. That is fantastic. Knowing, growing, giving, serving, and praising. So these are things we value, okay? And one of the things that we value is giving, and we're going to talk about that today because at different parts of the year we talk about different things, but but we have a, a statement around this idea of giving, and it says this, we value generosity, therefore we practice joyfully sharing our time, our talents, and our resources for the purpose of loving God through his local church. This is who we are. We are a people who value generosity. We are a people who believe that we have received a great gift. And so in return, we must become a great gift to the world. Everything we have becomes a gift to the world because of the gift we have received. As a matter of fact, there's a verse. It's, it's a 1 Peter Parker 2.12. And it says, to whom much has been given, much is expected. That's Spider-Man, by the way, for those... For those Let me me give you a real verse. This is a real verse, but check this one out. This is actually better. Um, This is uh, 2 Corinthians 9, and it says this. Now I say this. The one who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And the one who sows generously will reap generously. For each one of y'all, us, must do as he or she has decided in their heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not because you're forced. For God loves a what? cheerful giver. That's right. And God is able to make grace overflow to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance in every good deed. God has sown generously. If you are here and you have breath in your lungs, God has sown generously. If you have if you have access to running water, God has sown generously in your life. And in, bet- in return, we must give generously. We, we become gifts so that God can reap from what God has sown. And you and I become gifts to the world so that God might reap generously through us. And I want you to throw that verse back. Can you throw that verse back up there for me if you don't mind? It's, um, yeah, so come forward one more. Okay. I don't know where it is. Never mind, I forgot. So it says God loves a cheerful giver somewhere in that verse. Y'all remember, you said it because we all did it, a cheerful giver. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say that God loves a wealthy giver. It says God loves a cheerful giver. And so th- does God love you if you're wealthy? Of course. But the point of that verse is not that God loves wealthy givers. The point is that God loves cheerful givers. And the point is that anyone can be a cheerful giver, and it has nothing to do with wealth. You know how many people I hear say, man, if I win the lottery, I'm going to become generous? No, you're not. If you're stingy with a dime, you're going to be stingy with 10 million of them. I mean, that's just the way it is. You're like, oh, once I win the lottery, then no, no, you won't. I mean, if we don't practice generosity today with what we have, we're not going to be generous when we have more. That's just the reality of it. And generosity has nothing to do with the amount. It has to do with what's going on in your heart. And like when when you're generous with your praise, you're generous with your prayers, you're generous with your hellos, you're generous with your I love you's, you're you're generous with your money, you're generous with your time. You are a generous giver. And that has nothing to do with the amount. It has to do with what's going on in your heart. And this is what God is looking for. People who will be uh, grateful for what they have received. Remember this, gratitude not expressed will always be received as ingratitude, won't it? On Christmas morning, you give your kid a gift. Or you give your spouse or, I don't know, someone, whoever you give a gift, and they go like this. I'll do it for this side just case y'all didn't get it. How is that received? And what if they say, well, in my heart, I'm thankful. Do you care? I, I don't care about that. Smile, man. I've given you something. Like, say thank you. Our way of saying thank you to God is to go out into the world and be generous gifts. And so that's what we're doing. We're looking at the Christmas story. We're looking at the the things God has given us. And then you and I are identifying needs in the world, like tangible needs, and we're filling them. We're using our resources and our time. Um, That verse you read last week, if someone comes to you and they don't have clothes, they don't have food, and you say, well, God bless you, but you don't give them clothes or food, that's not real faith. Real faith works. Real faith does things in the world. Guys, I want to be the kind of church that if we were gone, they'd miss us. I want to be the kind of church that if we weren't here, they would know. Like, I want to make a difference in this world, and that means we identify needs, and we go do something about it, and that's what we're doing. But to to cultivate that heart, you got to know what God has done for you. And so we're going back to Matthew. If you got your Bible, open it up. Um, I know you all read Matthew 1 through 3 this week, so I'm super stoked about that. But we're going to go back to the Gospel of Matthew, which is where we were last week, And we're going to read a little more of the story today. And if you don't have your Bible, it's cool. It's on the screen. So it says this. Matthew 1, 18 is where we'll start. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, since he was a righteous man and did not not want to disgrace her, he planned to send her away secretly. But when he had thought this over, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We talked about that last week. He will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel Lord had commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and they named him Jesus. All right, let's look at this. Verse 23. You see right there, it says, shall name him Emmanuel. You see that? And then it says, which translated means God with us. The Bible doesn't always translate things, does it? Have y'all ever seen a manual spelled with an E? Anyone ever seen that? That's the Spanish version. That's why I are translating it. So they want you to understand this. Translated, it means God with us. And so I, I think, I think it, this, must, this must mean something that the author, that Matthew is translating something. I think it's actually probably from Greek, but he's translating something. And he stops and says, I, I want you to see this now. This means God with us. That's a big deal. That somehow through Christmas, somehow through the Christ Christ coming into the world, our relationship with God and his presence with us had changed. If if you grew up in church, I know some of you did and some of you didn't, so that's great, I'm going to share a story with you today. In the beginning, there's a story, and it's in Genesis, about how God created a world. And when God creates this world in the beginning, he puts humanity or man and woman inside of it. And it's, as you read this story, you see a presence that's just amazing. As a matter of fact, it said that, does anyone know what they were doing together? That God was what with man and woman? He was walking with them. He was walking with them. And they could hear his footsteps. So like when God was walking, they could could hear the leaves crunching him. And they could see him. They knew when he was present. So as if we had this face, that like like you and I, like, like we knew, we knew. And so That's the way God's presence was designed to be with us. But then something happened. Sin came into the world. We talked about this. And and when sin came into the world, we were separated from the presence of God. Because we could not be in the presence of a holy God as sinners. And so we were cast out of his presence. So what was like this became distant. And and then we were in the world. Now, God is still present in the world, right? God, God was still present even when they were thrown out of the garden. It's through something called, we're going to use a big church word here. It's called omnipresence. And what that means is God is present everywhere, okay? So, so when you think about God, God is always present. So they went from being, you know, like knowing God to just like God was around. So, so that's what happened. Are, are you with me? Before I go any further, i got to see what this note says. I'm just super curious. Hold on. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so Kevin Weddle, the guitarist, uh, gave me a note. And the note says, Ray Johnson is in the room. Okay. Ray Johnson is in the room. Um, That's good. I'm glad. It's not really impacting my life. (laughs) But, I, but I, I mean, I guess he's, I can't, there's light, I don't really, I can't see him, so I don't know, but Kevin, Kevin told me Ray Johnson was in the room, so I... I guess Ray Johnson's in the room. Matter of fact, maybe I'll sing a song about it. Ray Johnson's in the room. I mean, it's, it's it's not like we're hanging out together, but he's in the room. And that right there is what too many of you have settled for the presence of God. Knowing a God who is in the room because someone else told you they were in the room. And that's what we've settled for. We've settled for showing up in a place where some dude says God is in the room, and we sing God is in the room, but, but we, we don't know him. Now let me show you a difference. Ray Johnson, will you come up on stage with me? By the way, give it up for my friend Ray Johnson over there. Come on up here. Come on. Yeah, all right, so, so okay. I want to show you all something. Just stand right there, Mr. Ray. Do, do you all see a difference? Ray Johnson is in the room. There's Ray Johnson. So he's not just a dude in the room. He's a dude with me. You you see, now we are together. And I am keenly aware of his presence. Not only am I aware of his presence, he's bigger than me. Okay? So his presence has an impact on my life. Matter of fact, if this dude tells me not to do it, and he's, he's right there... I might consider not doing it. Are you with me? Now, if he's just somewhere in the room, what do I care? If he's just somewhere around. But if Ray is right here with me, and like we know each other, I mean, there are certain things I'm probably not going to do with Ray standing behind me. Are you with me? This changes the way I think. The gift of Christmas is not a God in the room. The gift of Christmas is a God with us. That we might know him and be known by him and be in relationship. Do you see the difference? Thank you, Ray. Thank you. Give it up for Ray. Great job, brother. Yeah. Yeah. We're singing how great is our God about a God we've never met. You never met him. You don't know him. You showed up here and I told you about him. But Emmanuel is the gift that you might know him. You might be in relationship with him. And is it, is it different than a human being? Sent? Yeah, it's different. It's better. It's better. Because everywhere that I go, there's a God who knows me. And when he speaks to my heart, he does it as one who knows my heart. And when he directs me, he, knows, he does it as one who knows my path. And whatever he says is good and righteous and it's loving and it's right. And that is the relationship we have. Why are we settling for a God out there when we have a God here? This is Emmanuel. Isn't it better? Isn't it better to have a real relationship with a God who is present with you? You say, how how is that possible? Well, guess what? Jesus answered that question. Matter of fact, this week I want you guys to read. I'm going to read John 14 to you, but I want you to read John 14 through 17. You, You can go ahead and write that down or take a picture or whatever. But John 14 through 17. But let's read John 14 because this is, Jesus is explaining something to his friends one day and they were confused and understandably. But he says, Jesus says, after a while, the world is no longer going to see me, but you're going to see me because I live, you will live. On that day, you will know, listen, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me just as I am in you. The one who has my commandments and keep them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, this Judas right here, wants you to make sure, when Matthew was writing that, he was like, please write that I'm not the one that betrayed Jesus over there to the side, please. <laughs> please, just put that in italics or something. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what has happened that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will follow my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our dwelling, make our dwelling with him. Does anyone know another biblical word for dwelling? Please, come on. It's my favorite word of all times. (laughs) Tabernacle. Make our tabernacle with him. The one who does not love me does not follow my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Oh, that's so good. On Advent, guys, this is where we got two candles lit, right? We're in the second week of Advent. In Advent, we remember what Christ has done. And he came into the world, and, and he's present with us, and he saved us from sin, and we acknowledge what Christ is doing. Through the Holy Spirit, he is now in us and with us, and we are with him, and and we acknowledge this and we celebrate this, but we also look forward to a day when what we know in part we will know again because Christ is coming back again, and he's going to reclaim all of creation. And in Advent, we live in this state of now, but not quite yet. We can know God, but one day we will know him fully. And we celebrate that and we live into it. He says he will make his dwelling in us, that he will will reside in you. It doesn't say he's going to come by and visit every other week or, you know, he's going to do, like he's residing in you. And and if that's a reality, like Mr. Ray was up here with me, if that's that much of a reality, doesn't it change how you think? Doesn't it change how you live? What stops us? What stops us from truly experiencing the presence? And, and listen, I don't think anyone is 24-7 all the time, you know, in the unabridged presence of God. But if you've never experienced God's presence, listen, that, that's the Holy Spirit giving you a red flag. If, if you know you've never truly experienced God's presence, that's the Holy Spirit saying, come to me. But what's stopping us from experiencing His presence? I got a few ideas, obviously, because I started thinking about this earlier. <laughs> How about busyness? Does busyness stop us from experiencing God? God, I would love to spend this week with you, but it's Christmas and I'm busy. Huh? It's christ which I think, again, in Spanish means more Christ. But I'd like to spend less time with you right now. By the way, I'm fluently bilingual, if y'all haven't picked up on that yet. I mean, it's... <laughs> pretty close right <laughs> I mean it's, it's like we're too busy for the presence of God what exactly are you doing is target that exciting is Fortnite that glorious it is when I win but it's still it's not it's not that it's not the presence of God so we trade busy for God's presence we get distracted don't we we get distracted we, we trade cell phones for the presence of God don't we you wake up in the morning, scroll, 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 And God is like, man, I would love to wake up. I'd love to wake you up. Like, I'd love to wake you up. I'd love to put you to sleep. Like, I'd love to be there in a real and tangible way. No, thank you, God. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. Or maybe, 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 just maybe, we don't really seek God's presence because what if he showed up? Yeah. I'll seek him on Sunday morning from 10 till around 11ish. But on Saturday night, I don't really know if I want him there. On Friday night, definitely not. On Thursday when I walk into work and I can't stand all the humans I work with, <laughs> I certainly don't want him interfering in my mind or, or my gossip or my... And what? I want to watch that show. How am I going to watch that show with him standing right behind me? Right? But what if we actually begin to believe that God's presence was better? And so I, I, think, I think there's three things we can begin to do to posture ourselves for the presence of God. And the first one is that is have faith. Have faith. Believe that God wants to be present. There's a verse in Hebrews. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For the one who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he proves to be the one who rewards those who seek him. And so the first question is, if you're not experiencing the presence of God, do you really believe? And if you don't believe, here's what I've learned, and you know this. I can't choose to believe something I don't believe. Can you? Can can y'all choose to believe I'm not standing in front of you? If you can, I mean, you're not not well. (laughs) You're not well if you can do that, okay? That's not something we can do. So what I have to do is, is faith is this weird mixture of choice and gift. God, I choose to believe you are here. And then the Holy Spirit actually comes into your heart and gives you faith. Faith is his gift to you that you might believe in him. And if you're not experiencing his presence, the first thing to do is drop on your knees and say, God, do I really believe in you? Do I believe you want to be present with me? Do I believe that you're real? Do I believe that you died on a cross? You were born of a virgin? That you rose from the grave? That you descended into my heart? Do I believe these things? And if not, help me to believe them. Start there. Start simple. If you're not experiencing his presence in a real and tangible way, start by just asking him for faith. Second, Thing we can do to posture ourselves for for his presence, and this one's going to shock you guys. We can love. Verse 21 of that John passage we read said, The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. How many times did he use the word love in there? I'll give you a hint. Love matters. Love is the oxygen of the kingdom. And maybe you're thinking, well, I do love God. Okay, let me ask you this. Does anyone know it? it, it there, Jesus is having this conversation with one of his disciples one day, and they're walking along, and the disciple says, I love you, Jesus. And Jesus says, do you, do you love me? God says, yeah. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. And then he says, He says, do, do you love me? And God says, yeah, I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. He asks me, do you love me? Yeah, I feed my sheep. If you love me, go and do things that demonstrate to the world that you love me. Go go do it. Do, do things that show the world that you love me. You, you have to go and do. Love is not a noun in the kingdom of God. It's a verb. It's something you go and do. Are you doing anything that demonstrates to the world that you love God? And if not, no wonder you're not experiencing his presence. He reveals his presence to those who verb love him. And so you, you love him and, and you place faith in him. And the third thing you do, and this is probably the trickiest, obedience. Verse 23 So Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will follow my word, and the Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our dwelling with him. To those who love God, you are obedient to God. Listen, I, I, I'm going I'm to give you guys a little secret right here. If you are currently living in unrepentant, open sin, you are not experiencing God's presence. Um, you can try to experience God's presence while you're living in unrepentant, open sin, but you won't. And you know how I know that? Because I tried. The same reason many other people in this room know. It's like I'm not, I'm God, I come in on Sunday and I just don't feel you. What did you do Saturday? I come in on Sunday and I don't feel, you. have you been seeking me the rest of the week? Are you, are you actually turning over your life to me? God, I don't fill you in my finances. Well, you know, I'm not present in your finances. I don't fill you in my home. You, you haven't invited me into your home. I don't fill you in this part. Of, you haven't invited me into that part of your life. If you're not seeking God, if you're not being obedient to God, you're not going to feel his presence. And here's something I've learned, and you know this too. When God tells you to do something and you immediately do it, quick obedience, oh, man, you feel his presence in a way you don't any other way. Now, there's some things that take years to do, and I get that. But every now and then God will say, hey, go talk to that person. Or go love that person or go do something and you'll do it. And in those moments you experience the presence of God in a miraculous way. And so God desires to be present with us. And then we come to this place. (laughs) See if it's him. (laughs) Then, 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 Then we come to this place. And we sing songs, right, especially at Christmas time. We sing songs. And so let me throw, let me throw up a song here and see, see if any of you guys recognize this one. Have any of you guys ever heard this song? Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. <laughs> see, y'all have heard this one, right? And, and we sing this as if it means nothing, but today we're going to close with this song, and I want you to sing this with a new heart and a new mind. I want you to sing this as people who believe that, like, when, when you see the word Israel there, don't think about some faraway nation. Think about the people of God. Believe that Israel is symbolic for God's people, and believe that what we're asking, we're not asking for God to come be somewhere, you know, in the universe, right? The song is not, oh, come, oh, come, God, somewhere in the world. Oh come oh come Emmanuel and what does Emmanuel mean? It was translated for us. What's it mean? God with us. So when I sing this song, what I'm singing is, oh come, oh come, God be present in my life. And ransom me, because I am a captive without you. Be present in my be present in my emotions, present in my thoughts, presence on my Monday, my Tuesday, and Wednesday. God be present in a real intangible way. And and I know that means I might have to reorder some things, but I want you because you're better. Be present. And then this second verse right here says. Under you and rescue them from the depths of a hell, your people save. Do y'all know what it is to be removed from the presence of God? Hell. Hell. From the depths of hell. He, he, he wants to give you His presence so that you might have life in this world. And too many of us, you know what we do? We experience God's presence when our life falls completely apart, right? We wait until that moment. When the whole world comes crashing down and in the valley, God will be present for those who seek him, those who place their faith in him, those who are obedient, and those who don't give up. God will be present in the valley, but he's not just a valley God. He's a mountaintop God, too. And he wants to be present with you when things are going good. And you know, what? what, I've done this, you've done this. In the valley, I found him, and I was in his presence, and then I slowly started to get out of the valley. And what did I do? I left him in the valley. God, you just wait for me over there, okay? When everything goes bad, I'll be back. In case of emergency, I'll break the glass. And God's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I want to be present with you all the time. God, I want to be with you. I want to be with you so bad. As a matter of fact, read read my word. There's a lot more about me wanting to be with you than there is about you wanting to be with me. God's like, "I, I want to be with you right now. Even in this moment... When you worship and and when you drive and and when you shop and and when you... I want to be there. Like, I want to be part of it. I brought you into this world so that I would experience worship from your life in this world. Now turn to me. He'll be there in the valley. And listen, if you're in a valley, I promise you, ask, and you will find him. If you don't give up, you will find him in the valley. But take him with you when you leave the valley. Because he's a lot of fun on the mountaintop, too. This is what we have access to, guys presence of God and so what do we do we do things like Christmas mall and we did that because you are a generous people you are a generous people we provided gifts for this community we're, we're this week we're making a donation to the Sheridan's women's shelter why because you are a generous people we're going to continue to pour out gifts on this community we're going to continue to see brokenness and bring restoration to it we're going to do whatever we can do to make this world better why because God is with us Emmanuel, an incredible gift has been received. Now the only thing I can do is turn to the world and live a life of gratitude. You can look at the world like this, which some of you have perfected, (laughs) or we can go into the world as cheerful givers and do the only thing fitting for sons and daughters of the king. Give the King what we have, by loving his world. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to The Grace Church Podcast.